0: DJ and PK is brought to you by Mark Miller's Subaru. Time now to talk a little jazz basketball with the TV voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Jack Bowler's weekly interview presented by University of Utah Health, trusted health care provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours. Bowler, good morning. DJ, PK,
1: how are you? Good. You know, I hear I hear you're having early lunch or brunch. What's going on?
0: Uh, it's a taste of the Masters, Bob ah. Casper and Brian Taylor. If, you, uh, if you're a um, uh, ticket holder, a patron, or if you're a media person, basically you're on file with the Masters, right? Because you can't go there and they have all the food and everybody looks forward to that, you can now order it online if you're in that group of people. And so they I just brought in the pimento and the egg salad. And yeah, so there you go. So that I'm nice. not I'm not eating till uh, five or six o'clock tonight. That's for sure. Holy cow! <laughs> I, think I'm, I think I'm good to go here for a while. And
2: in the perfect timing, in the last break, I just had a read for NJ diet.
0: I heard, I heard. You got your <laughs> shot in. I saw. Gotcha. Yeah, well, wow. DJ's stuffing his face. There's fourteen. Nope. Fifteen hundred. Sixteen hundred calories. Have another okay. chip.
2: Truth be told, during the break, Mm -hmm. I had just finished some pancakes, so I'm right there with you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Bowler, have you had anything to eat yet? You know what? I have my morning staple of English muffin, and sometimes I throw an egg on it, you know? That's kind of an English muffin. I don't know why I'm hooked on those right now.
0: Heard of breakfast at Wimbledon? I think breakfast with Bowler. There's a little (laughs) off-season opportunity for you financially, Bowler, right there. Yeah, there you go. All right, so uh, PK always loves it when we get scriptural on the show. 40 days and 40 nights, Bowler. That's what you've got to the NBA
1: opener. 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, it's hard to believe, man. It's, it's such a it, – it hasn't hit us yet, but it's going to be a really quick turnaround uh, once the draft hits next week. And then, obviously, free agency is going to be a storm. I really, I think it's just going to be just – what do you do? I mean, it's going to have to be fast and furious. I'm excited to see where it goes. Camp on the first. Come on. It's hard to believe. Hard to believe.
2: Yeah, I'm a fired up for the draft. What's that uh, coming up on Tuesday, right? Seventeenth. Uh, that's a, that's a day. Oh, uh, see,
1: I've got it. The Wednesday. I think it's the 18th.
2: Oh, Wednesday, eighteenth. Okay.
1: Yeah. All right,
2: so I got to wait a day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm excited for that because. You know, as I look at it, and, and we're going into somewhat of uncharted territory regarding the finances of the league because you know, life is not normal as we know it, but to me, as I see it, because of this unknown and how you have to pay guys when they come up, and we know Gobert's coming up for the Supermax, and then Donovan Mitchell is going to get every penny that he has earned, the right to get, and all that. So you're paying out huge money. So the point being you've got to find rotation guys in the draft because you can't just pay the max to everybody. And so rotation guys obviously can be younger guys who aren't going to command as much because of the structure. So I'm looking at this draft for the jazz, pretty much every team really, when you think about it, but we focus here on the jazz as being super crucial, crucial because they got to get some young guys that they can count on to be in their rotation.
1: DK, uh, it's, it's, what the Jazz have always hung their hat on as you know is development and at twenty three not sure what you get in this year's draft, but you want a player that at least fits the need right which is wing uh shooter defender I mean it's the whole combo package it you know the perfect size at six five or six six with the wing span and a defender uh and also a guy who can help you off the bench with with scoring as well so yeah. Uh, it's, I think every team wants that type of prototype player that fits, quote, their system, and this year is no different. You know, what What do the Jazz have on the bench that they can hang their hat on and feel comfortable with? I mean, are they still going to put, you know, take a hard look at Mieoni, uh, Rajon Tucker, uh, you know, what, what the future of uh, George Niang? And then, of course, as you mentioned, the cash that's going to have to be spent to keep Jordan Clarkson um, and others. So, yeah, every, every time you have a draft, you got to make good decisions that that's going to help your team and hopefully, you know, develop into somebody that can give you, you know, nine, 10 minutes a night and be productive and maybe grow into a, a, an actual, you know, consistent rotation player.
0: So, I've been trying to figure out where I sit on the draft. What is the, um, what is the right, uh, Expression, right? Because uh, PK makes a point that a lot of people have made, and it's spot on. You can't pay everybody. You got to have a rotation player or two on a rookie contract because you right. just can't afford, or or a veteran minimum, because you just can't afford, you know, a bunch of uh, not only a bunch of max players, but you can't even afford a bunch of 10 and 15 million dollar players. So at the same time, I feel like I'm going in this draft, and, and I hear Dennis Lindsay's uh, quote. You know, and he says, well, we're looking for someone who can shoot shoot the three without sacrificing, you know, their uh, defensive, I forget the word to use structure or something like that. Uh, And I'm thinking, okay, that sounds good, but isn't that what everybody wants? Everybody wants a guy who can hit the three and defend. And you're going to be drafted in the 20s, and somebody might slip to you and you might hit, but to a large degree, guys like that are getting identified, right? So... I'm thinking that I don't have no expectations. You can't have no expectations. This is a draft. You gotta get something. I'm thinking of what I have is delayed expectations. That I don't really expect whoever they get this year to be the person who steps in a rotation. I think I'm really looking at those Depending on how you count it, two to three to four guys that they were kind of, you know, basically G League guys that they were test driving. You kind of jumped it in your last answer there, but I want you to kind of look at the Mieonis and the Tuckers and, you know, whoever, Brantley. Who do you think is best equipped to step in and be that 20 minute a night guy and take that step forward while the next draft pick goes through that whole process and is probably a year or two away from doing that?
1: Right. Well, I know the Jazz DJ tried to give the three guys you just mentioned a lot of looks in those scrimmage games, and as much as they could in the bubble, uh, in those restart games as well. And I'm intrigued by a couple of guys athletically. You know, Rajon Tucker uh, can jump out of the gym, rebound, or just a just a, an athlete. Uh, and then Mieone is intriguing to me. Maybe not for some, but I just think. When I watched him uh, work out against Dante Exum, he's a more physical specimen of what Dante... Uh, and, and, you know, Dante struggled with injuries throughout his career. But I, I think Mione intrigues me just because of his size and his length. And plus, he, he has kind of a bullish attitude as well. So those guys kind of just caught my eye. But again, uh, th- those type of players you would say there's many out there that you can develop and you have to hit, as you said, on one that just really takes it to the – that the NBA actually allows him to take his game or his skill set you know, to another level. Kyle Kuzma kind of comes to mind when you think of him as a collegiate player, solid, but yet the system with the Lakers, he's been able to blossom and and I think has become a much better pro. Than, than some expected. So it's, it's kind of like those hits that you're mentioning uh, and those are rare, but that's why you have scouts and that's why you have, you know, developmental staff uh, with your franchise and we'll see what happens. But, you know, I think overall PK and DJ, I don't know if this draft was really given a high grade. I think there's eight to nine players that are, they have, you know, that are intriguing Um then after that, I think it's the scouting and, and what are you hoping to get, and what your expectations are. Um, so again, we'll wait and see. But the Jazz have done a pretty good job in finding some some diamonds in the rough. You know, look at George Niang, look at Royce O'Neal, and so their their program has 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 worked, and you hope that it continues to do so.
2: Well, I have a different level. I, I'm I'm holding them accountable with the 23rd pick. And I want them to get a player. Now, I'm, I'm not buying this stuff. That uh, th- th- All that other stuff to me is just excuses. No, your job is to go find players, and that's what they're charged to do. And I believe that's the way they think about it, too. You look at Jordan Clarkson. Uh, he was the 46th pick of the draft, and he's on our minds here because he's with the Jazz. Right. And his first year, now wasn't great Laker team, but his first year he averaged 25 minutes a game, and he was the 46th pick. So obviously that's uh, well into the second round. So in my mind, yeah, when you talk about those eight or nine players, those are what, those might be difference makers on their own. I don't know if there's that many, because there probably isn't. But you know those guys would would play no matter what, uh, where, when they're drafted. But I'm looking at the depth of. Every draft has players that you could find and put in your rotation, and this is the essence of what this stuff is about, and it's what Justin Zanuck and Dennis Lindsay and all those folks are charged to do. It's not easy, and I, just, I get paid to second guess, not first guess, so I believe that there's guys out there, and I know Locke, I've talked to him a number of times on this Josh Green kid. I don't yeah. know that he'll be available, but he loves Josh Green, and the way I look at it, Uh, Years ago, he was the first guy who's told me about this gangly kid from France. And we know what that gangly kid from France turned into. So I still say I'm expecting them to find a rotation player beginning on Wednesday.
1: Can't argue. I think they're hard to find. But you know what separates the PK and the guys you mentioned? I think you have to find the guy with a chip on his shoulder who believes he's better than what the drafts, the so-called experts, give to him on draft day. Gobert fits that. Clarkson fits that. Royce O'Neal fits that mold of just the edge. Um, How many times have we talked about top 10 guys who just, the expectations were there and they failed, but there's always something to be said about even a Malone and a Stockton who are taken, you know, later in the draft that motivates them. Gobert wears 27 for a reason to constantly remind himself, right? So, if you can find that athlete, though, that that pushes himself past the expectations or whatever they say on the draft board, and how they look at him and how they think he'll, you know, develop, I, I think you're right. There are those players you have to find, and I'm not, sh- you know, how you get to know them personally and understand the edge, which really is separates them from being a Tony. Well, uh, excuse me, a uh, Patty Mills, so to speak, you know. Guys that are out there that can play at a high level because, you know, they want to prove people wrong. And those are the type of guys you want to try to put in your uh, on your roster as well.
0: Craig Bolajak join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Do uh, you have any big free agent moves you're anticipating? You said it was going to be crazy. I've always... I've kind of wondered how much it's going to be limited by money and the fact that most of the best players are signed for another year and the guys who have opt-outs aren't going to use them because this would be the worst possible time to opt-out and expect big money. So I'm thinking it's going to be minimized to the top. Is there some value shopping you're looking at or are there a couple of big-time players you're looking at?
1: Well, you know, it's just talk. I mean, I think there's people that need to be taken care of in the sense of you know getting it done in a very quick period of time, like Gobert. What are they going to do with Rudy? Make a decision there with Clarkson, uh, and obviously sign and and take care of, of Donovan Mitchell. You know, when you read and you think of what's to Tatumbo, are players going to force trades? What about Houston? What about the Harden Westbrook? You know, debate or stories. And I guess what is there a report last night that Westbrook wants out out of Houston late last night? Yeah. yeah. So I, I just think that's. I think players some will force. the, the, you know, force franchises to make moves. And that's something I'm not a big fan of, but it does happen. Everyone's searching for the title, PK, right? And DJ and I think Westbrook and Harden both are at that time of their career career where they're trying to validate, you know, all the, you know, all the awards they've already, they've captured, but they're still missing uh, the ring. Uh, I mean, you look at what Kevin Durant did. I mean, bold move to go and he got it, you know, Kawhi was traded up to Toronto, got it, and then goes to L.A., you know, with the Clippers. I don't know. I just think there'll be some big names that force some issues that we'll have to watch out for. And then a lot of teams have to get some things done and make some big financial decisions uh, because of the cap, pretty much stand where it was, right? So, and with, with the ownership of the Jazz, I'm not real sure. Maybe you guys know during this transition period before the board of governors actually okay the sale i know they've got steve starks as a liaison or uh, can you know can work between the two ownership groups but i'm not sure if ryan's over there in the corner giving a thumbs up on spending what will be his money so that intrigues me too on on some of the situations that jazz are going to be dealt here in the next uh, week or two
2: i think well you know first part concern in the free agency is re-signing Clarkson and you were with him for a good long time before everything got shut down uh, after he got traded and it seems like it was a good situation he was basically handed the ball he yeah. said go do your thing so what do you think he's thinking I know it's impossible to say for sure but as far as you can get the money and you're going to be rich no matter where you go but situations matter and it seems oh. like he's in a great situation here yeah.
1: DK, spot on. I mean, look, I don't know. I, I'll never be at that level, any of us, uh, except for DJ. You know what a salary structure is like. <laughs> oh, it's um, a joke, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah,
0: but I'm eating $1. fifty egg salad sandwiches, so, you know.
1: <laughs> Save your money. No, I'm kidding. But the bottom line is, I think you're right. Situations. what You know, you can make all the money in the world, but your life uh, on the floor can just be hell in the sense of losing on it on every given night great i'm making a check i'm bringing it home and maybe that's okay for some i think you know the three of us and we talk and you know for years is there's a competitive nature you have got to find a place that gives you the ability to grow and compete i may be blowing in the wind but i believe that for me i would rather be on a team in a situation like a Jordan Clarkson and where he was given the ball PK well said and that the green light was his and he owned the second unit that was his that was his five guys and was leading them on the floor you can't think of a better situation okay call me crazy but if it's a a million dollar difference between going to Charlotte uh, or and again um, Sacramento has athletes they may be on the jump a little bit this year but I'm just thinking to myself. I'd rather be in a competitive situation with teammates I like and have an opportunity to really uh, compete for a Western Conference championship, rather than just sit and sulk, collect my check, and know that I may win 12 games, 15 at the most. To me, that that to me is a total game changer. I think Jordan's got a great opportunity here to continue a career and showcase his talents. That's me. But again, the Jazz have got to see the same thing and wonder if they can afford all the above mentioned uh, with Gobert and Donovan. Uh, but that bench, PK, DJ, you saw the turnaround. You saw it immediately when the trade was made and Clarkson took that second unit as the sixth man. I mean, it was just dynamite. And I thought it made a big difference in the way the Jazz played the, well, what the, the next 20 games before the league shut down.
0: Bowler, as always, we appreciate a few minutes, except for the cheap shots at me, my weight, and uh, my salary.
1: <laughs> hey, man, what's a Thursday? Right, PK? Man, we call well, earlier. That's sort we, of let's an, team up on it. An
2: oxymoron. Cheap shots, using the word cheap uh-huh. at his salary. <laughs> Talk about an oxymoron right yeah. there.
0: Yeah. Nyuk, <laughs> nyuk, nyuk, nyuk. <laughs> All right, more wordplay with PK coming up. Bowler, we will let you go. You can go back to that uh, English muffin and yeah. possibly an egg.
1: An egg. Yeah, I think I'll throw an egg on it now.
0: All right, I'm going to have my 17th <laughs> sandwich. Thanks, Bowler.
1: <laughs> See you guys.
0: DJ and PK coming up next, everything you missed in this show. And, man, there has been a lot. We will get to that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, is 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. PK, I feel better about myself right now.
2: Good for you, man. I'm happy for you because your happiness is of paramount importance to me.
0: That doesn't sound very genuine.
2: Bull crap. As as genuine as I could possibly be.
0: Well, that may be true, but those are two different things. Right. But in in what what, what am I?
2: In your world, <laughs> relatively speaking, right. I'm very sincere now. Compared
0: to you, no. But compared to me, yes. Went golfing with uh, Yach and uh, a couple of guys from Channel Two. Told you about Jeremy Ranch number four. After I dealt with the vertigo, nearly huh? tipped over, and then huh? put a shot right on the pin, and then went down and missed a two or three footer for birdie. Okay, I just watched Bryson DeChambeau miss like a two foot putt. It was awesome. I did that. Me and Bryson, we got something in common. He Hits a ball about three hundred fifty yards further than me, but yeah. we got <laughs> That's something the thing in about common. Golf, man. Yeah,
2: you know, a, a two foot miss putt and a four hundred ten yard drive. They each count as one,
0: right? So they're showing some highlights on ESPN here. They're finally playing uh, yeah. rain. It was supposed to be a very early start because this time of year they're dealing with the sun setting at 5.30 in Atlanta, which is 3.30 here. So they were teeing off at 5 a.m. here, but uh, the rain came pretty quick. Just a couple of threesomes played a hole or two. Very little happened. But now they are finally going. The weather is, uh, has given them a break, and so the first round of the Masters is underway, which is good because there isn't a lot of time to make up like they normally would if there are rain delay, and, you know, you can push stuff into the early evening. Can't do that now. So they're underway, and uh, Tiger has just gone out on the course and missed a green and then uh, a magician with a wedge, and he got up and down, so good for him. We talked uh, to little masters with Brian Taylor and uh, Bob Casper. They were here this morning. We talked some BYU football with Aaron Roderick and Brian Keel. Keel, the former BYU linebacker, Aaron Roderick, the BYU passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. And I guess one of the things that stayed with me from the Aaron Roderick interview is how bullish he is on the O-line saying that there are legit 9, 10 guys competing for jobs. And sometimes you say that and you you have to have a 2-D, but the gap can be pretty big. But he said they've had to start guys because of injuries and the competition in practice is close. So whatever they whatever their losses are in the offseason, and that remains to be seen because they have some good juniors, so I guess we'll have to go up and down the roster and figure that out and see what guys decide to do. But it sounds like they ought to be pretty good at the in the O-line again next year.
2: Uh, It's funny because he spoke about when he got with the Grime Dog, Jeff Grimes, the first meeting that they had, basically, who are we? Now, Grimes was a great hire for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons why it was a great hire is because he wasn't coming in starting from scratch. He'd already been at BYU, and I can remember having conversations with assistant coaches uh, in men's and women's sports, sports where they should always be good. I had a conversation with uh, Elaine Michaelis, coach volleyball for over 40 years, an absolute legend. I mean, if she was a man, they'd have a statue for her. Uh, and she said, we should always be good in, in volleyball because there is a ton of LDS ladies, young ladies who play volleyball. And they can jump, they can run, they, they're tall. So we should always be good. Uh, fast forward that. Coaching with offensive line coaches over the years, Lance Reynolds, a guy who every coach at BYU who went on to become a head coach, including the NFL level, including Andy Reid, tried to hire Lance Reynolds. Lance Reynolds knew what he spoke about. He said, we should always be good at offensive line. There's always LDS guys out there. We need to go other places outside of the LDS people to get other talent at other positions, but we don't even need to have to. Now, you certainly would if somebody wanted to come. I'm not saying that. But his point being, they should always be good at the offensive line. And when Aaron just said earlier today, and go listen to it at 1280thezone.com, the the interview, because I thought it was really good, he said his first meeting with Jeff Grimes – This is a position we should always be good. We may not have a Luke Staley, and he went through a a, a Jamal uh, Williams and so forth and so on, the great running backs. You never know how that's going to play out, but you should always be good at offensive line. Absolutely. And this is one of the things that we're seeing. And that's, you know, the cliche of that's where it starts, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's a cliche, but it's also true. And so that does bode well if they've got guys competing with NFL guys for playing time, that it sets them up because you don't just want to have a good year. You want to have a good program.
0: Aaron talked about that. Uh, he talked about the uh, the scouts. They're not on campus. They can't do that. The NFL scouting right. now is more Zoom meetings, phone calls, interviews. Uh, but he said what we all thought. There's a ton of interest in Zach Wilson. There's another mock draft out. So there's just four mock drafts that now have him anywhere from, uh, I think, fifth to 16th. Was it third, Yach? Number three pick in the draft now. Pro football focus awesome. had him third. Yeah, so from number three to number sixteen, if you are a first round draft pick, you gotta go. You gotta oh, go. Now we can sit I? here and say second, third, and fourth ought to go. But he's now in the in four mock drafts on people who have nothing to do with the state of Utah. They got no bone to pick in the whole Utah BYU rivalry thing. That's four people now who all have him in the top half of the first round.
2: <laughs> that's, oh yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Goodbye. I mean, I my. I literally can't wait, literally cannot wait, my friends, to see Lisa Wilson on the television on Sundays.
0: <laughs> so uh, A-Rod did talk about, you know, why so much improvement with Zach. And he said, well, the first thing was that Zach wasn't healthy. First, it was the shoulder early in the year. Then it was the broken thumb. And he just couldn't throw the ball uh, with any of the, uh, the normal zip that you would expect. What, no, we're, seeing, what we're seeing this year. It was,
2: it was obvious, but my thought is I, I, I'm conflicted on this because it was clear. Well, then when I ask them about going forward, you know, they feel good about the quarterbacks in the room going forward, and they got four of them. We'll see if they add some kids in the offseason or at least one individual anyway. Well, if your guy isn't healthy and you got capable guys that you're pumping up over here, why didn't you put them in? If he can't if he's not hundred percent or close to it you know I guess they obviously thought Zach's whatever percentage was better than yeah. Romney and Hall's right. percentage but okay I can understand that logic but that gives me not as much confidence going forward that these other guys are as good as they say. Now, maybe last year was different, and we get to next year, they'll have an additional two years in the program. So I guess maybe that's the trade-off. That, I think that's... Okay, they weren't yeah. as good at the time, but going forward.
0: That's one thing. But Zach, even though he wasn't 100% in Game 2, still got him the win against Tennessee and still threw the deep ball with the, with the game on the line. Now... Got to be a gamer, and you can't make that throw a lot. But, you know, one time a day, you can just wind up and cut loose and zing it down the field for, you know – I don't want to say it was a hail mary because that usually means you're at midfield, just throwing yeah, no, in the no, end zone no. and hoping. But well, Simon it was
2: got open. He threw him the ball. Yeah,
0: it was. Uh, it was crazy yeah, that was they Simon. could get the deep ball that they needed to have that late in the game. And okay, so combination all- combination of gamer, the other guys. I think at that point they may not have known quite what they had with those guys because they won games okay. later that season yeah, with other they didn't quarterbacks.
2: Why? Why did they do it in the bowl game then?
0: Yeah. But I think that there you can also say that they did move the ball and score points in that game. Now there was a clutch drive that they didn't. You know There was one drive that really mattered that they didn't. But I have to go back. Wasn't that a pretty high-scoring game?
2: It uh, was for Hawaii in the first half. They got a little bit of a handle on it in the second half. But nevertheless, uh, they are where they are this year. None of that really matters. Uh, Zach Wilson is healthy, and he's great. And, you know, I had spoken. I, I told you this earlier that these coaches, you know, they can't come out and scream on every little thing that the fans and the media say or else they'd be doing it nonstop. But they really felt like they were getting a bad rap on the scheduling. And I told you that they had a number of guys in the program who are coaches on the staff right now who played back in the Mountain West and WAC days, and they felt like some of these crappy teams that they played back then, these teams that they're playing this year were better than those teams and so they felt like they were the schedule was being mocked to a degree unfairly because a lot of these Detmer stats and all that, that's who they were putting them up against, not exclusively, but they were putting them up against the same caliber of type teams that the Cougars are beating this year.
0: Crappy UTEP teams.
2: <laughs> Crappy UTEP teams, <laughs> yeah. New,
0: New Mexico, yeah. UNLV wasn't yeah, in the league in are. the 80s, but yeah.
2: It's and that, too bad because they would have got an easy W if yeah. they were.
0: You know, I, I just think a couple things on the quarterback, and I did check that bowl game score. It was 38-34. So it's not that they didn't move the ball and score points. Uh, you know, they, they did. And the other thing is that, you know, they decided, and A-Rod talked about it, they decided three years ago to invest in young guys that they thought they were talent and they'd get better. And, you know, these other guys may be good players, but that doesn't mean that they've got first-round NFL talent. You know, there's a, there's a no. big... <laughs> there's, a, there's a big freeway. Pick yeah, your lane in yeah. that 12-lane sure. freeway. you know. And I, and I think that's the thing that's hard to sort out about how, how many NFL guys BYU really has right now. One thing is, some of them are underclassmen. Maybe they're still a year or two away. You can tell they're NFL guys, but they're not quite there yet. You got that. And then also, they're good college players who look really good now because NFL guys are making the game easier for them. You know, if they didn't have such good players around them, they wouldn't look as good. They're capitalizing on that. Um, And so we'll have to see as the NFL gets hold of these guys and sorts these guys out, you know, who doesn't make it, who's a fringe guy, who's a backup, who's a player in the league for 10 years. You know, there could be a wide range here. Um, But the the talent upgrade is there, and, and man, A-Rod, it's like, you know, the the tight ends in the O-line going forward. Now, wide receiver and quarterback – you know, you can be optimistic, but I think they really ex- – they, they think they're going to be good at the other positions. feels like they absolutely know they're going to be good at O-line and tight end.
2: Well, they should be good at O-line, tight end, and quarterback. That's what A-Rod's talking about. Like, for whatever reason, that is LDS people can play those positions at high levels. And so, yes, that, if you want to have a great program, particularly for BYU – it's virtually a must, not exclusively, but it's virtually a must that if somebody comes along, and it doesn't have to be who we think it is because there's been all these highly touted dudes who didn't pan out, and meanwhile somebody else does. Just get them and get them in there, and that's what's going to be the foundation of your success. And then you can go from there because then you're more likely to get other kids who aren't of the faith who would be interested in coming because you're really good over here and you got a great program with a ton of national following, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I could go over there and, and live those standards or whatever for the short amount of time that I'm there, or maybe those are the standards I have my whole life, and it's no big deal whether I'm of the faith or not. That's the format for the Cougars to be successful.
0: And then we talked uh, with Bowler. We talked a little NBA draft, and just in the last break, I saw a story about Nico Mannion, son of Pace Mannion. You saw him at Arizona last year. Uh, Pace played at the U, and then he played for the Jazz, and he was a broadcaster for the Jazz. And now Nico's in the draft, and they, Arizona, you've probably seen it PK because it's on AZ Central. Uh, and they've got where, where Nico is in mock drafts. Now the Jazz um, – Picking 24, there are mock drafts that have him going to the Jazz at 24. There are other mock drafts that have him going uh, 22 to Philadelphia or 23 to Miami. But then there are other drafts that say he's going to the second round, and and they have the Pelicans at 39. So it's all over the map. I don't see how we're going to really have this lockdown on what the Jazz, who they might take, because you don't even know who might be available. Um,
2: If they want that kid, they can get him
0: they can trade up a little bit and get him.
2: Yeah, because at best he's probably only gonna go a few spots ahead of him. Right. So if your heart is really set on him,
0: yeah, I would be able think to, get him. Be able
2: to get him. And I don't. Re- was it you or or Craig who mentioned looking for guys with chips on their shoulder?
0: Oh yeah, this yeah. yeah. This young more. man
2: with the red head hair, red headed hair, he ought to have a chip on his shoulder because he was two time. I follow Arizona. Uh, sports to an extent, probably more than I do Utah, uh, except for Corner Canyon and Brighton. But uh, he was two-time player of the year in Arizona. He was all that and a bag of uh, master's chips. And <laughs> nice. It, 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 it didn't turn out the way he wanted in, in Arizona. But none of that means Jack. That's gone. No, what matters is going forward. And there's a lot of people who doubt this kid because I even heard, and I told you this, oh, he's destined to be in Europe. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, get the word back. pace. Now, you talk about a competitive, you know what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're going <laughs> to get to that coming up in the, uh, the feedback because they tweet out the links to the story. And I, I've already uh, had people tweeting back at me who ref people who ref Nico's games when he was 10 years old and what they thought of pace. We'll get, <laughs> we'll get to that coming up. I think you can already predict. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think and, that... Uh, uh, yeah,
2: absolutely. So go forward there with a chip on your shoulder. Prove everybody wrong. That'd be sweet.
0: Well, I, talking to Pace, and I don't want I don't, to... I don't know how much of that Pace wants. We need to get Pace on the air so he can say whatever portion he wants on the air, and he can leave whatever portion he wants off the air. But I, I, I'm confident that I can say this part, is that Pace has definitely given him, him the old, you can go 4th, you can go 24th, and you can go 44th. When you get there, you still have to do it. Right, you right. still got to do it. So get ready to go do it, whether you're four or 24 or 44. Be ready to do it, and if this stuff bugs you, use it as fuel. Um, oh, yeah. You know the, the various things. Some talk about how he's not quite athletic enough, and other talk about him being an elite athlete. And you know a lot of the stuff they do now is very decathlon oriented type stuff. We, NFL Combine, the NBA does a lot of the same Combine, stuff. Yeah, Combine, and yeah. and yeah. those numbers that Nico puts up. Those say he's athletic. Now, you know, you can go with your own judgment when you watch a game about how much that translates to the court, but those numbers as far as, you know, how quick he can get from one baseline to another and how high he can jump, you know, those are where they are, and those numbers are good for him. So,
2: Well, whatever those numbers are, just go play. Right. And the great thing about it is he is guaranteed – to get a shot. That is the guarantee that I can give him. I can't give him any other guarantee beyond what selection you're going to go, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> Does and When When you go to camp in a couple of weeks, great. Good, good for you. But those guys, these coaches, they want one thing, and they want to win. And you can play, you're going to play. So he's going to get his opportunity, and that's all that matters is what he does with that opportunity. Everything else is a bunch of talk. And speaking of talk, the Pac-12 media poll in basketball came out. Uts are picked eighth.
0: And there's a big gap down to the bottom four. The kind of five, six, seven, eight, and there was some separation there. Top three definitely, definitely pulled away. So UCLA, ASU, and Oregon at the top. Stanford, four. Uh, those top. Arizona was five. That's pretty disappointing for them. But all right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your feedback next.
1: And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere.
0: DJ and PK, it is time for your feedback. Everything you're saying about today's show. Jingles at Bojo244 says the Jazz don't need a backup point guard. They've got Conley and Mitchell. They don't need a third point guard. They need a more versatile 3 and D wing. Point guard can wait until the second round, in my opinion. So he is not up for drafting Nico Mannion.
2: Oh, I think you draft best player available at that position of where they are in a draft is what I'm talking about. And I actually think you should always do that because then if somebody is really, really good and you got two really good guys, that's a great thing. That's not a bad thing. And you can turn around and trade that asset. All these guys, they're all levels of assets. What level are they? Level one, level two, so forth and so on. Yep. So if they believe that uh, he can play Mannion is yeah. the kid, then absolutely. Yeah. that That's what matters the most. So, I would, I would just. Yeah, I agree that they need that other stuff. But if you know you've got a short thing, and you're drafting that late, you go ahead and take it, and then make adjustments. Odds
0: that's, are there's only the two or three rotation that. guys we get, tops in the in the last yeah, ten yeah, picks yeah, yeah, in the first round. Exactly. So if you can identify one of those, and there may not even be I that agree many. With you. Yeah, there may you're not right. be that many, but tops, there's probably three. So if you right, see right. one. You well, know, you if you think a,
2: you got somebody, right. yeah,
0: you can have Rudy Gobert. But if it's a center, which it that's would, what I would say. which it wouldn't be, because he'd go earlier. But you know, but I, I, that's not true because they got Gobert at twenty-seven. I would say Rudy was, yeah. And they they thought they saw something, so they traded right, it up right, and they got right, it. Right.
2: No, but I get your point. Yeah, the, the classic is uh, the uh, Trailblazers needed a center, so they drafted Sam Bowie. <laughs> right. <laughs> what more needs to be said? There was some guy named MJ sitting there. But before we get out of here, I just want to. Make sure the listeners are aware. I mean, you talk about toughness and playing through pain. By all rights, David James Niggeldorf III should be in Instacare right now. But, no, he came in today because he wanted to be there for you, the listener. You talk about playing hurt. The guy nearly cracked his skull this morning, but he's there for you. That's greatness on display.
0: I don't know if I hate you or Yock more right now. <laughs> you're the source, Yock. You can deny it, but you're deep throat. That's not hard to find out true. Who told That's
2: not true. No, that's not true, man. I, I've got I've got drones and, and uh, sources whatever. out everywhere.
0: Yeah, whatever. You got hidden cameras. <laughs> hidden cameras watching me take a header on ice in my driveway this morning. I am going home to a fistful of and That's what's happening there. Holy cow! The, the uh,
2: security uh, security downstairs told me.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) He he and I don't speak, so that didn't happen.
2: (laughs) I know, but he could tell. He could see it in your eyes,
0: the pain, the burden that you were carrying. we got to have Pace on next week. We got this tweet from Philip. I told you I'd read it before we go. I was a referee for Nika when he was 10 years old. Pace was there, and his dot, 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 shall we say, quote, passion, close quote, was unreal. Took me by surprise, his constant criticism of the officiating.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. he's a dad. Yeah,
0: I know. We got to read that to face when he comes on.
2: <laughs> it, it'll be funny, sure.
0: All right, DJ and PK, we are out of here. Hands and Scotty are up next. We'll see you.